the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining me. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host. And this is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Today, I am going to lean heavy on the give you the perspective you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. I want to talk to you uh, about a perspective of a particular issue that is happening in our culture. Uh, You might say it's a, a subculture event. It's something that's happening beneath the surface, but it's happening, I would suggest, and I'll do my best to make the case, that what is happening, even though it may be considered peripheral or under the surface subculture, is impacting every area of our our culture. And that's what is happening with the church in America. Um, If you're not a a Christian person, you're not a person who goes to church, this may not be of interest to you. And I would suggest that it should be of interest to you. Uh, The church has always been the foundation of communities. If we go back to our founding, we go back to the beginning of our nation, we know that the church house and the clergy, those who were leading churches in local communities, were leaders of those communities. In many ways, they guided the community as it related to community organization, things that happened within the context of the community. They guided morality and uh, being connected to other people in a meaningful and helpful way. The church was the place where children learned. The church was the place where medicine was given, where first aid was rendered. Many churches across our nation in small communities became the local hospital when emergencies happened in those communities. The church has always been central to American life. We can go back to even the first immigrants, uh, European immigrants to the United States, coming to the United States, coming to this land for the freedom to worship God as they saw fit. We call ourselves a Christian nation. Many would argue that we are no longer a Christian nation. That's a podcast for another day. But there is no denying that we as a nation were founded on Christian principles, biblical principles, that our founders, the majority, were people who, at least if they did not have an active relationship with God, honored God as God and themselves not as God. We can make those connections and we could spend, again, an entire podcast going back and understanding that the foundation of our nation is a Christian foundation. What we've seen over the years is not something that is new in the church, but it's something that seems to become, uh, seems to have become much more prevalent in the church in America. Even this week, We had a pastor that had to step down from his position in a very large, very influential church uh, because of something that happened with someone on social media. Uh, We have seen some of the pastors of some of the largest 
The most influential churches in America stepped down over recent months, uh, in recent months, over um, issues related to morality. Um, around the world, one of the largest churches in the world, pastor stepping down because of an issue related to morality. I could give names. I don't need to give names. We could find them if we wanted. That's not the point. The point is this, that in a country founded on a foundation that is Christian, understanding that our country was founded largely by church-going people, that the church has always been central to life in America. We look around, and many people who once participated in church life, who participated in the growing corporate life of faith, have now said something like this, I've been hurt by the church. Do you know anyone like that? There's a phrase called church hurt. This is the phrase, church hurt. It means that a person or a family once attended a church, maybe they were very faithful in their local church congregation, whatever that was, and over the process of time, for one reason or another, they got hurt. Maybe it was because of the failings of a church leader, someone that they trusted, someone they put their faith in, someone they listened to, someone they responded to, doing something that on its face is uh, at the very least hypocritical, if not um, deeply immoral and destructive. They've been hurt. Maybe they've been hurt not by the leadership of the church, but by people within the context of the church. Many young people growing up in church, uh, having been hurt themselves or watching their family members, their older family members experience this church hurt, have decided that when they could get out on their own, they would no longer go to church. Starting startling numbers, a lot of research has been done on the number of young people who, when they gain their autonomy, meaning they can decide to go to church or not, don't go back to church because of something that happened. What's interesting is that although we are seeing church attendance decline in America, we're not seeing people who claim to be people of faith decline in America. Now, again, we could do a whole podcast on the connection between attending church and a growing faith and what that means to people. But people who claim to be people of faith, to believe in God, to have a relationship with Him, that's not declining at the same rate that church attendance is declining. Many people have said, I don't go to church, I'm not a part of a local church, but I am a person of faith. And we could deconstruct that. But the issue oftentimes is that that person was either directly or indirectly hurt, I put that in air quotes, by the church. And as we continue to see the influence of the local church decline in America, and we see more and more people who have been a part of a church having decided they don't want to be a part of a church anymore, it's important for us to have conversations like this one. Again, this show, often we have experts come on, we have people come and and deal with very specific issues, we have some incredible guests that have come on, but from time to time we need to pull the car over and talk about issues like this one. Why? Because it is so fundamental to who we are as Americans. Maybe not you as an individual, but certainly who we are or have always been as Americans. And as the church influence declines in our nation, uh, so do the influences of good in so many ways also decline. I've talked even recently about the decline of what we understand to be masculinity in America and how the decline in masculinity, really many on one side of the political spectrum, pushing down or destroying the idea of masculinity to destroy the home that gives the state or that gives the government more control over people's lives. Uh, We see the same thing happening with the church. As the influence of the church is diminishing, 
as people who don't like the church and who want more control are able to push the buttons that cause the disintegration of the church in many ways, as that continues to happen, more and more people claiming to have been hurt, leaving the church, there are some things that we must understand. This is so important to me. It should be to you as well, but it's definitely important to me. Um, A lot of you who listen to this show or watch this show may not know my entire background. I work with an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. We work with veterans and active duty service members and first responders. Now, we're a faith-focused organization, meaning we deal with combat trauma and post-traumatic stress from a faith position. My personal background is that I am working with the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Before that, I was a pastor, a pastor of a local church. Uh, before that, I served in the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> before that, I went to college. Before that, I was living in the home of a pastor. My mom and dad started a church uh, when I was uh, very young. My dad pastored for over 30 years. That was the home that I grew up in. Watching as a young person, a lot of people come and go. Watching a lot of people um, really in, in many ways, emotionally, spiritually, uh, try to hurt my parents watching people who were helped in the church and then watching people who have been hurt by the church leave never to return. This issue is so important to me as a Christian. It's important to me as an American. It's important to me as someone that believes that the local church is the foundation, not only of the American understanding of who we are as Americans, but of strong communities in a strong country. All of that being said, uh, I want to, first of all, talk about what the church is. We need to understand what the church is, because that helps us then to understand what it's not. (laughs) But then to answer the question, if you've been hurt by the church, what are some perspectives you need to have? And uh, my my goal here is very, very simple. I, I want this to be a help to you. If you're not one of those people who would say, I've been hurt by the church, maybe you are someone who knows someone who would say, I'm a person of faith. I believe in God. I trust God, but I don't trust people in the church. I'm not going. This episode is for you. It's for them. And again, my goal is to be a help. Uh, So many Christian people are doing so much to hurt the image of the church uh, that from time to time we need to come back and ask this question, what is the church? I want to give you a few thoughts, first of all, on what is the church? What what do we need to understand about the church? Some perspectives on the local church. Number one, first perspective on the local church. We need to realize that the local church is the heart of God and the thing for which Christ died. It was established by Jesus to be a place of learning the truth, acceptance into a body of like-minded believers, and equipping and commissioning for the work of telling others the truth. All right, uh, that's number one. I want to break this down a little bit. The local church is the heart of God and the thing for which Christ died. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, if you went to the New Testament passage of Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, uh, you would find there the words that Jesus Christ gave His blood for the church. Uh, Again, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, and I'm not going to break all of these verses, all these passages down. It would just take too long. Um, I'm going to give them to you so you can take a look at them. But the Bible there tells us, uh, the Apostle Paul is is preaching a message that's recorded in the book of Acts by um, Luke. Luke was a friend. He was a doctor uh, that traveled with the Apostle Paul. He was a friend. He wrote down the book of Acts that we have recorded for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's recording the words of the Apostle Paul to a group of pastors. A group of pastors, he has them gathered, and he explains in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 that Jesus Christ gave his blood for the church. He died for 
the church. A couple of ways that we could uh, look at that and understand that. We need to understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died in our place. He paid the price for sin. He made it possible through His death, through His atonement for us as people, sinful, to have a relationship with God the Father who is perfect. Jesus did that. When He died, Paul says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, He did so for the church. Christian people brought into community. So we have to ask the question at the very outset, how important is the church? Does it even matter? I've tried to make the case (laughs) it's important for communities, it's important for families, but we understand it's so important that Jesus Christ died for the church. He shed His blood for the church. That's what Paul says. That's what Paul wanted these church leaders to understand. Speaking to church leaders, to pastors, he says, hey, understand that the congregations that you lead, Jesus died for them. That's important. Maybe you've left the church because of something that's happened, and you say, well, it's not important anyhow. I can uh, worship God at home, and certainly you can. I can worship God doing this activity or that other thing. Of course you can. Um, People say that as if they're mutually exclusive. Well, I can worship God. You can. Of course you can. You should. (laughs) Uh, I encourage that. But your ability to worship God somewhere other than church does not diminish the importance of the church. It's so important Jesus Christ died for it. It was established uh, by Jesus to be a place of learning truth, accepting into a body of like-minded believers, and equipping and commissioning for the work of telling the truth to others. We could go to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. These are the verses we call uh, typically the Great Commission of Jesus. Jesus is getting ready. He's, He's... died, he's risen again, he spent time with his disciples, getting ready to go back to heaven, and before he leaves, he says a few very important things, says a lot of important things, but these words are what we call the Great Commission. This is his sending the disciples out before he leaves, and he tells them they need to go into the whole world to tell others about him, and to teach them and to train them after including them in a church family, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Go out and tell them about me. That's the gospel. From the church, people need to go out and tell others. They need to then include them in a church family where they can then be trained and taught. That is God's heart for the church. How do we know that? Because those are Jesus' words about the church. So the first perspective we need to have on the church is that it is the heart of God, and it's the thing for which Jesus Christ died. Number two, if the church was established by Christ to be the organism through which we, uh, through which uh, He would work in the world, it is not only a good thing, but a very good thing. You ask the question, how is it that Christ, that God, decided He would work in the world? When Jesus Christ went back to heaven, what did He leave behind that would be used to proclaim the gospel, to bring people to himself, to encourage and train and minister. What did he leave behind? What he left behind was the local church. There are a lot of good organizations. There are a lot of good Christian organizations. There are a lot of people who do a lot of good work, who do a lot of good things, and all of those can be very, very helpful and very, very important. Absolutely no question. But those things, those organizations, those people, those institutions are not what God left behind to reach the world. What He left behind was the church. Again, I outlined this earlier, Acts chapter 20. 
you can see much conversation about the church. Verse 28 in particular, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go to the book of Acts. Read through the entire book of Acts. What is the, the book of Acts? The book of Acts is the story of the beginning of the local church. It's how the church was birthed and how the church took off. So many great things. We see where it started. The last words of Jesus Christ. We see how oppression came after many thousands came into the local church, understanding who Jesus is. From that oppression came a dispersion, the diaspora of people traveling around the world to escape that persecution. Through that, many people planting churches around the world, others accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, not only Jews, but Gentiles, those who were not Jewish people. And from that, Christianity coming down a line that extends to us today. All of that is recorded in the book of Acts. That is God's heart for reaching the world, and we see that happen. It's not only a good thing, but it is a very good thing. Understand that when you say, I'm not going to be a part of the church, (laughs) what you're saying consciously is, I understand or I realize that's God's plan, that's what God wants, that's what God established, but I don't need to be a part of it. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream Sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. That takes us to number three. Maybe that's God's plan, and maybe that's what God wants, maybe that's what God has established, maybe that's what God's used, but it's not for me. Number three, believers are not only told to attend church, but that they should not forsake the assembling together. Believers are not only told to attend church, but that they are not to forsake the assembling together. A great passage on this, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. I'm going to flip over there so I can read it to you. Hebrews chapter 10. Take me just a second. It's all electronic, but it takes me just a second to get there. Hebrews chapter 10, instruction is given on a lot of different things. Verse number 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. The instruction is given on how to live as a Christian. The instruction here is that we should hold the profession of our faith without wavering. I think we understand this. This is the author of Hebrews, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying to Christian people, hang on to what you know is true, hang on to your faith, don't let go, don't waver. Why, Why is this instruction being given? Because at the time of the writing of Hebrews, persecution in real in a real sense is coming against Jewish people and Christian people. If we go back, you're familiar with what happened in the Colosseum um, around 100 uh, A.D. 
This was after Jesus Christ lived, after he died, after the apostles. Many folks come to know Jesus Christ. The Roman government uh, not only imprisons, but persecutes, tortures, sacrifices Christian people. This persecution is coming against the church. Depending on when you think the book of Hebrews was written, we know that in A.D. 70, uh, Jerusalem was razed. It was destroyed to the ground by the Roman government. Uh, Many, many people losing their lives. Uh, The nation of Israel scattered. The city of Jerusalem destroyed. Again, great persecution coming. So it's with all of those events happening uh, around them. It's with this, this coming storm that the author here says, you need to hang on to, hold on to your faith without wavering. We live in a day that's not too dissimilar, I would imagine, in many ways, from what this church was experiencing. These people were experiencing persecution, uh, not in the United States, persecution to the extent that they experienced it. But persecution pushed back against the church, uh, crazy things we never thought would happen. And, and in all of that, I think the author of Hebrews would say to us, you need to hang on to your profession of faith without wavering. Don't waver. The next verse then becomes very important. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. All right, so first of all, in the craziness of this world, church, hang on to what you believe to be true without wavering. Here's how you're going to do it, by encouraging one another. He uses the word uh, provoking, (laughs) provoking. That's very um, uh, offensive. It's very much in your face, provoking unto what? Love and good works. This is getting together. This is encouraging each other. Uh, This is standing shoulder to shoulder. This is fighting the fight together. That's how you hold your faith, the profession of your faith, without wavering. Next verse, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The world is crazy. It's getting out of control. In fact, he would say you can see the day approaching, the the trials, the tribulation, uh, the persecution. It's going to get worse. You can see it coming. And in the midst of that, hang on to your profession of faith without wavering. You do that by getting together, by provoking, by pushing each other into love and good works. And where does that happen? It happens in the context of the local church. A command is given that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Some have forsaken getting together. It's believed historically in the context of this verse that the author here is saying some people didn't come to church because they didn't want to be seen as Christians. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
They didn't want to be identified because they didn't want to bring on the persecution. So some uh, have forsaken the assembling of themselves together. Don't do that. But exhort each other. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, as things get crazier, as things get more and more out of control, that's the time you need to be together even more. You see, God gave us the church. Jesus Christ paid for the church with His own blood. God has chosen the church through which to work for the propagation of the gospel. That's how God works, is through the church. And if God has chosen to work through the church, it's not just a good idea, it's a great idea. It's a wonderful idea. It's God's idea. And you can say, well, maybe that's so, and maybe God has used it, but God does not command me to be a part of that. The author of Hebrews would differ. He'd say, things are bad, and while they're bad, you need to hang on to your faith. You do that by encouraging each other, and that happens in the context of the local church. We see next, I love this progression. Number four, the local church is a body equipped when functioning well with everything it needs in order to do what God desires. Ephesians chapter four uh, explains that the church has many members and not members as in someone who has joined the church, but many parts describes it as a body and that different members of the body, the hands and the feet and the head, they don't all serve the same function, but they're all important. And the church has all of the members. It has all of the elements that it needs in order to do what God desires. Again, we can try to recreate that in a lot of different places, but it is in the context of the church that God has built what He needs to do what He wants to do. Number five. Not every church functions. Even those with correct theology and polity, polity is how the church is organized, with the spirit of grace and unity illustrated in Scripture. Let me say that one more time. (laughs) Not every church functions with the spirit of grace and unity illustrated in Scripture. Not every church functions, even when they believe the right thing and they're organized the right way, not every church functions the way that God intended for them to function. Some scripture, I won't read all of these again for time's sake. But Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Ephesians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. These all illustrate how the church should function. Uh, I love Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. These other passages as well. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Thousands of folks come to know Jesus as their Savior. Then they all have uh, things together in common. Go check that out. Ephesians 4, everyone doing what they're supposed to. Philippians 2, saying, hey, stop looking at yourself. Instead, look at the needs of others. That's how the church is supposed to function. It's important to realize, even though the church is God's idea, Jesus Christ gave His blood for it, you're told to be a part of it. Even though all of those things are true, not every church functions the way that God designed for it to function. This would be true in any area of life. It's funny how we hold the church to a different standard than we hold uh, any other area of life. Uh, We could look at restaurants and say, well, that one does a good job, same chain, that one doesn't do a good job. What do we do? We go to the one that does a good job. We don't write it off entirely. Uh, Stores, uh, all kinds of stuff, vehicles, uh, computers, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Uh, Very rarely do we look at an entire class of something and say, if that one's broken, we're not using anything else. But with the church, we say, well, just because that church is not functioning the way it's supposed to, all churches everywhere must be bad. The church was God's idea. Jesus Christ gave His life for it. 
We're commanded to be there, to be a part of it, and all the more as things get crazier around us. But we realize that not every church functions the way it's supposed to. That's perspective. Now, you can do whatever you'd like to, of course, but you need to do it understanding those things that I just illustrated for you through Scripture. We go one step beyond that, though. You say, well, all of those things are true. I get it, but I have been hurt by the church. I have been hurt. Uh, Someone I know has been hurt. My family's been hurt. You've got to understand that it's not the church, as in God's idea for local congregations coming together to do the work of propagating the gospel. It's not the church that has hurt you. It's people within the church. And anytime we include sinful, broken, hurting people in even what God designed, there are potentially going to be difficulties, issues, problems. But separate your hurt from the institution of the church, what God created, and from the people in the church. But I have been hurt. Now what? Today, my job is to give you perspectives. I want to give you a couple perspectives. (laughs) If you've been hurt, what are some things that you can do? Uh, Maybe this is an episode you need to save and go back and listen to later. Maybe it's one you need to share with someone else. But I have been hurt. Now what? Okay, Jeremy, I get what you're saying. I get it. Church is God's idea. We need to be there. (laughs) God wants to use it. I get it. But I have been hurt. Someone I know has been hurt. What do I do now? I want to give you a couple things. Number one, sincerely ask God to reveal anything in you that may be the source of the problem. Often when we say we have been hurt, what has actually been hurt is our pride. If that is the case, our own broken nature and not the church needs to be addressed. Uh, I give verses here. Um, By the way, what I'm talking about today comes from a blog that I wrote uh, actually two years ago. And um, you can find that on my personal website, jeremystalnicker.com. jeremystalnicker.com, you can find that under the blog. Search the word church, you'll come right to this one. Um, But number one, I've been hurt by the church, what should I do? Sincerely ask God to reveal anything in you that may be the cause of the problem. Sometimes what happens in church, I've seen this throughout my life, You may have experienced this. Sometimes what happens in church is that our pride is hurt. Someone confronts us because of something we shouldn't have done. Or we don't get asked to do something we thought we should be asked to do. Or we feel like we've been asked to do too many things and no one else is helping. A thousand different scenarios, but our pride gets hurt. And when our pride is hurt or our pride is wounded, we turn that out onto the people in the church and we say, I've been hurt by the church. The first thing you need to do is sincerely ask God, have I done anything that's created this problem or that's contributing to this problem? Now, let me say this very, very clearly. (laughs) This is not blaming the victim for what has happened to them. That is not what I'm talking about. And and I know people in church are accused of this all the time. I'm not saying if you've been hurt, it's your fault. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you have been hurt, the best place to begin is by saying, God, as the apostle, or as a, (laughs) he wasn't an apostle, as King David said in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, God, show me if there's anything in me that needs to be dealt with. Begin there. And then move on. Number two, test everything through the scripture. A couple verses, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 1 John 4, 1, Acts 17, 11. Test everything through the Scripture. Only by using Scripture as the lens through which we judge those around us will we see clearly. 
judge everything by Scripture. What is happening, what has been said, what has transpired, what's going on. Judge it through Scripture, not through how you feel. Our emotions will deceive us. Even if you have been sincerely hurt, someone has misused Scripture, misapplied Scripture, violated Scripture, you've been sincerely hurt, view what has happened through the lens of Scripture, not through your own experience or emotion. Let Scripture dictate to you what has happened and what you'll do next. Number three, speak to the one or ones who have hurt you. This is, this is so key. The example that I started off with uh, when we, we started this, a lot of things going on with pastors and with churches and, and so forth. Um, the most recent pastor that I know of, that very publicly in a large church, had to step down. actually stepped aside, not down. Um, his elders and he say that after a time he'll be back. Really, really interesting. As he was giving his testimony about what happened, he talked to his church about what happened, why he was stepping down for a little while. He mentioned that someone in the church came and confronted him with something they saw that they thought was problematic. Now, this pastor, to his credit, credit, then went to the elders and said, I just had this conversation with someone that said they saw something that was problematic, and I want to make you aware of it. He said he went and talked to his wife about the same thing, and that's how this unfolded. I, I don't know all of the details, but I love the model at least presented in that. Someone who saw something, even in a church leader of a very large church, that they didn't think was right, that could have potentially hurt them and someone else, they began the journey of dealing with this by talking to the one who had caused the hurt. Speak to the ones who have hurt you. Provide an opportunity for reconciliation before taking the next step. (laughs) Maybe the next step for you is calling other people or talking about what happened or leaving the church. At least provide the opportunity for reconciliation. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. Uh, We understand that there needs to be an opportunity for reconciliation. Now, I know there are types of things that happen in church. If there is abuse, particularly sexual abuse or something else, uh, certainly that needs to be dealt with. And I'm not suggesting you go and talk to the one who caused that abuse. Uh, You need to go to elders, other folks in the church who can help you deal with that. And that's what Matthew chapter 18 outlines. But create at least the opportunity for reconciliation. Oftentimes people hurt others and they don't even know they're doing it. They don't mean to do it. Sometimes they do. You'll find that out if you create an opportunity for reconciliation. You may find out right away they're not interested in reconciling. Then you move on, but begin there. That's number four. Sometimes reconciliation is not possible. People can be hurtful and may refuse to make a bad situation right. If you find that you must leave a local congregation after doing the things outlined above, then leave quietly and respectfully. Do not undermine the work that God would like to do through the church, even if you can no longer be a part. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, Titus chapter uh, 3 and verse 10. Even in this post, I have an asterisk and another note here. Just to be clear, (laughs) I am not talking about those times when something immoral, illegal, or unethical has taken place. Deal with those situations as they should be dealt with by notifying the appropriate authority Leaving without causing discord or disunity is not the same thing as covering up sin. And I think in church, a lot of the times we get this wrong. We miss this. We think, well, we want to not cause disunity, so we cover up sin. 
100% not what I'm suggesting. If there is something immoral, something illegal, something unethical taking place, take that to the appropriate authorities. Those, the appropriate authorities may be the police. It, it, it might be the elder board or other leaders in the church that need to deal with it. You do everything that you can do to deal with an immoral, illegal, or unethical problem. Do it. Um, how, however, often when people talk about being hurt by the church, they're not talking about something illegal, immoral, or unethical. They're talking about something unkind. They're talking about you know a lot of other things that could happen in the context of a church. Whenever possible, leave the church without causing disunity. Don't leave the church and establish as your goal hurting the other people in the church or hurting the church on your way out. Deal with those things that are illegal, immoral, or unethical, if that is the case. But in other instances, other situations where those are not the situation, leave as peacefully as possible. It's possible that you have been hurt by someone in the church, but that God continues to use that church, and that the devil can use you as the reason to bring disunity there. Number five. Don't forget that how you handle this situation may set the example for how your children handle a similar situation in the future. Chances are good that if your children go to church on their own, that they will eventually get hurt. How they handle that and impact it has, uh, and the impact that it has on their own life of faith may be determined right now. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Don't ever forget uh, that it's not really about you. And if you need to leave, then you need to leave. Again, go through the process. And if it comes to that, then leave. That's the right thing to do once you've been through the process. But remember that how you handle that will set in many ways the tone for how your kids and those around you will handle things in the future. And uh, we want our kids to go to church. We want our kids to have an active faith life. And if we don't set them up for exactly how to do that in the right way, we may be damaging them in the future. Number six. Find a new congregation to worship with and get involved. Find a new congregation to worship with and get involved. Church life is an essential part of the Christian life. And if it is important to Christ, he does call it his bride. It should be important to us. Ephesians 5, 21 and, uh, through 32. Jesus Christ calls the church his bride. Don't allow past hurt to keep you from the blessing of a biblically sound, loving church family. Again, don't forget, it's people in the church, not the church that you have been hurt by or that have hurt you. If you need to leave a church, you you ask God, is there anything in me that I need to deal with? And the answer is no. You've gone and talked to, you've addressed the issue with the person that hurt you. It wasn't immoral. It wasn't illegal. It wasn't unethical. It was some other kind of church hurt. You're in the context of a family. Things happen. Church hurt. You've gone to them. You've tried to clear it up. Um, you've, you've followed the pattern given in Matthew chapter uh, 18 and hasn't come to a resolution, you need to leave, then leave. Leave peacefully if you can. Leave the best way that you can. Honor God in your leaving. Honor His church in your leaving. And then as quickly as possible, find another uh, loving church congregation, a place where they're doing it right. Don't wait. A lot of times people will transition out of one. They'll say, I need a time of peace or a time of healing. And that time of peace or healing turns into a lifetime of not getting back to church. Finally, number seven. Perhaps most importantly, don't allow hurt from people in the church to frame or define your faith and relationship with God. Trust God, putting your faith in Him, 
and hurt will be something that happens to you in some, instead of something that defines you. Don't allow hurt from other people in the church to define you or your faith. And if you've been hurt, deal with this in a biblical way with people that you can trust so that something that has happened to you, church hurt is something that's happened, not something that defines you. I know, I've been around church my entire life. I was born and like the next week I was at church. I was in the nursery. <laughs> I've been in church my entire life. Uh, I've been a part of church at just about every level from a kid in the church to helping my parents as much as I could start a church. I volunteered at church. I've pastored a church. I'm now a deacon at a church. Uh, I, I, I've attended church at times of transition in my life. Um, I, when I was in the Marine Corps, deployed, attended church only on Sunday because I was gone the rest of the time. I've been a part of church at just about every place you can be a part of church. And I know that hurt happens because people are involved. But don't allow the hurt caused by people to define your understanding of Christ's bride, the church, of what God established to reach the world. Deal with what happens in the context of a church family appropriately. Let the right people know. If necessary, leave after you've done that. And as quickly as possible, find a church that reflects what God intended. Don't rob yourself of the blessing of the church because of some people in the church that have done it wrong. I believe in so many ways the influence of the local church is diminishing, and I hate it. Um, A lot of times that happens and is happening because of Christian people, church people, uh, people that don't honor God, uh, leaders that need to step down for doing things that they shouldn't do, things that are immoral, things that are anti-God, unbiblical. Uh, I understand that. I realize that. But none of that changes God's desire for us to be a part of the body found in the context of the local church. If you've been hurt, get back to a good church. (laughs) If you know someone who's been hurt, give them this. Give them other resources. Give them support. Encourage them. Provoke them to love and good works. Help them to get back into a loving church family in a world as crazy as the one in which we live. It is being in a church family, a church community. That's going to give you clear perspective, put you around the right people, provide in many ways security and protection from a lot of the craziness that's happening in the world, and help you to continue to grow in spite of what's happening around us. Continue to grow in your relationship with God. I hope that that is a help to you. Again, That uh, much of that comes from a blog that I have written on my website, jeremystalinker.com. You can find that, and I encourage you to check that out. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, subscribe. It's so important that you do that. Uh, Subscribe so that you know when these episodes come out, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You'll forget. You're busy. Uh, We want to make sure that you get these as soon as they come out. And then go to YouTube. You can find our YouTube channel on YouTube, of course. Then look for The Situation Report. You'll find us there. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Let us know um, how you feel about the content and what you think. And share this out. YouTube, as many problems as it may have, provides a great platform for communication, and uh, we'd love to communicate with you there. So thank you for doing that. If you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. Look forward to talking to you next time. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, 
many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.